If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 14. We'll be in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. We'll be in a lot of places this morning. There's a lot of Bible in the message today, but come on, that's a good thing to do in church. Amen. Read the Bible together. And today I'm finishing up our series that we've entitled Realms. And the big idea has been just digging into God's word and revealing the reality that we live in a natural world, but there's a spiritual realm over your life. There's a spiritual realm over your marriage. There's a spiritual realm over your children, your grandchildren, this church, this city, over our nation. And there's a battle that's being waged in the spiritual realm. And come on, how many of you can feel and sense that there are some battles that are underway and taking place? And you turn on the news and what you see is people that are trying to fight these battles and sometimes even with good intentions, but we're fighting all the wrong ways. There's a way, there's a method, there's a pattern, there are weapons that God has provided to you and to me as the people of God who are called by his name, that that's his heart. He's intended for us to fight differently and to live in the victory of Jesus. And so we're, we're being equipped and trained in this concept. We, are, we were created to live in victory. Jesus said this, Matthew 16, on this rock, I'll build my church. The rock was the revelation of who he was. The son of God, the Messiah, he says, I'm building my church upon this rock. And watch what he says. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, against you and against me. We're more than just an organization, a 501c3, a good social cause. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And we have been endowed with victory from heaven. And that's the victory that he's talking about right there. The the gates of hell will not prevail against you and I. We're the church. The church is living stones, the Bible says. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus came to make a way that we might live in victory. There's some battles going on around us. And this season, come on, as the people of God, we, we need this message. This is a timely reminder as we, as we get into some of these things and navigate some of these things with relationships and cultural issues that we don't forget that we don't fight according to the ways of the world. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of this world, but they are mighty for pulling down strongholds. God has intended for us to have weapons of our warfare that are not the things that the world uses to fight, but are things that God empowers us with to stand firm and stand fast in the victory of Jesus. Ephesians 6 says it this way, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Hear that today, man of God. Hear that today, woman of God. That is the heart of God for you. And that word has, that that promise right there, that heart does not bow to the circumstances or the situations that are going on in our culture. Even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of the confusion, even in the midst of the uncertainty, his heart is for you as his son, as his daughter, to stand strong, to be strong. How? In his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, reading on verse 11, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And it says, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not against your spouse. Your struggle is not against a politician or a political party. Your struggle is not against your boss or your coworkers. There's a spiritual realm that there's a battle that's being waged in. It's not against flesh and blood, but read on against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There's that word where this series gets its name. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, here's that concept again, stand your 
ground. And after you've done everything to stand, there's a victory that God's intended for us to live in and access as the people of God. There's some battles that are being waged, but there's a victory that we have. Listen, as the people of God, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. The Bible's very clear that we have victory that Jesus himself purchased and gave to us. It's, it's part of what he delivered to us. First Corinthians 15, 57 says, thanks be to God, for he gives us the victory how through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the victory, but there's an enemy and there's a battle. And I've shared this analogy, this illustration, the last couple of Sundays, but it bears repeating as we wrap up the series today. And it came, the Lord just started speaking to me about it as I was on sabbatical a few weeks ago and I was watching The Lion King with my daughters and got to the scene where Simba the little lion cub is surrounded by the hyenas ready to pounce and devour him and, and Simba summons the strength and this little lion cub strength just to let out a little baby lion roar. And in that moment, seemingly weak, he roars. And in that moment, the hyenas begin to flee and, and scatter. And, and, and if you've seen the movie, he's kind of like caught off guard. What's going on? You know, did they really, am I really that strong? Am I really that awesome? But what he didn't realize is that Mufasa, the big lion, the dad, the king of the jungle was standing behind him in that very moment, roaring this roar that caused all the hyenas to scatter and flee in fear. And the Lord spoke to me and said, it's the same way with you. You might not know all the Bible. You might be new in your faith. All you might have is the ability to just let out a little baby lion cub roar that just says, not today, Satan. But when you stand in the authority of Jesus and you activate your words and activate your faith, the lion of Judah is standing behind you, roaring with loudness and roaring from the authority and the, and the, and the, the victory that we have that stands for all eternity. Someone ought to say amen. We have the victory, but there's an enemy there's an enemy that's, that's, that's battling to try to cause us to lay down or forsake or abandon or abdicate that position of authority. First Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober, be vigilant. This is a season. This is a time where we need to really take that to heart. What's that look like for you? Because why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I love, I shared this often, but I love that it says may and not can, whom he may devour. Because if it said who he could devour, that would imply ability. Whom he may devour implies that he has to look for an open door, an opportunity. He's watching. He's listening for our words. He's watching and listening for, for, for fear. He's looking for those moments that he can come in. But the, the Lord wants us to be strengthened, to stand strong, to have on that full armor where those schemes, those attacks, those lies, those words, we can fend them off and continue to stand in the victory of Jesus. Come on, for your life, for your health, for your marriage, for your family, for your children. But here's the thing, despite all that the Bible has to say about the enemy, and this is not an enemy glorifying message. We're going to get into some things to expose him and to help us to identify maybe a little bit more quickly than we have in previous seasons when the enemy is launching an attack against your life, your heart, your mind, your marriage. But in, in spite of all the things that the Bible has to say about the enemy, there was a Barna church research study that a few years ago did a study amongst Christians, people who identified as believers in Jesus. And here's what they found, that 60% of people who said they were Christians did not believe that Satan was a real figure, but was rather a symbol of evil. And I read that and I thought, oh, Satan just loves this because here's the thing, you won't even bother to fight against someone that you don't think is real. And no wonder, maybe, if that's true, 60%, of all Christians, don't even believe what the Bible has to say is true, maybe it's no wonder that so many Christians are getting beat up and pushed around. 
because you won't even fight against the force that you don't believe is real. If it's just a symbol, if it's just, if it's just metaphorical language or hyperbole or whatever it is, you won't even bother to get in the fight. And too many people are, are just being pushed around and beat up in their marriage, in their mind, in their heart. And here's the thing, there is an enemy, but you have the victory. But you gotta fight, but you gotta fight. This is not a devil-glorifying message, but the Bible wants us to know our enemy. Listen, good coaches of sports teams scout their enemy. They scout the adversary. They scout the opponent. Come on, the team that they're playing the following week. They get in the film room, and they look at the plays. They look at the tendencies in this situation, in this moment, in, in this down and distance. This is the play that they're most likely to run. And Paul said the same thing to us in 2 Corinthians 2. He said, he said I'm going to encourage you with some of these truths about who Satan is. Watch what he says, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. He's saying right there, he's implying that he had taken time with the early believers to help them to see and to know some of the ways that the enemy was likely to come after them, to come after their marriage, to come after their family, to come after their heart, to come after their mind, to try to steal the future that God had for them. And he says, Wait, Satan's not going to outwit us. We're not going to be unaware of his schemes. And so today I want to dig into some things that the Bible has to say about the enemy, not to, not to glorify him, but to expose him. And so that we, maybe again, maybe, maybe a little quicker than we had in the past, will begin to recognize and identify when the enemy is coming against you. And we might be able to pick up the spiritual weapons, the, the weapons that God has empowered us with, according to God's word, to fight the, fight the good fight of faith so that we might stand firm and stand strong in the victory of Jesus. Amen? Hey, before we dig into Isaiah 14, let's pray. Let's pray. I'll pray corporately over us right where you sit this morning. Would you pray over your life, your situation, your circumstances? Ask the Lord to speak to you. And so, Father, we thank you for the what a blessing, what a privilege, what an honor it is to be in this place, to be uh, gathered as your people, Lord. Those in this, in, in this room, those joining us online, Lord, we thank you that we are the church of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the victory that we have in you. And we thank you that your heart today, Lord, is to remind us of that victory or maybe reveal it to us in a new or deeper way that we might do what your word says that we've read this morning, God, to stand strong, to stand firm in the midst of, of the confusion, in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the uncertainties, Lord, that is your heart for your people. And Lord, anyone today who's struggling with that reality, God, Maybe they want to believe it, but their, their, their present tense reality, their circumstances don't line up, God. I pray today, Lord, that you would come and do what only you could do through the preaching of your word, Lord, that you would bring hope, that you would bring strength, that you would bring renewed vision for the future, Lord. I pray that there would be healing and freedom and strength brought to your people today because of your word and the power of it today in Jesus' mighty name and all of God's, come on, precious people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. So the Bible uses several different Common names to describe the enemy or this adversary, roaring lion. Revelations 12 shows us some other names. It says, verse 9, Revelations 12, the great dragon that was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. Have you ever wondered why there are all these names for the enemy? And here's the thing is, if you dig into those names, there are meanings behind those names. And the meanings behind those names expose to us, reveal to us some of the strategic schemes that the enemy often employs against us. And so number one is devil. That says that, that, that ancient serpent called the devil, and the Greek word there is diablos. And the meaning of diablos is accuser and slanderer. 
And there are several ways that you can just commonly see that the enemy operates this way, that the devil operates this way. One is he accuses us against ourselves. He comes and he begins to, maybe you start to step out in faith and want to serve God and he comes and he reminds you of your past and he says, who do you think you are? If that church, if that pastor, if they really knew where you had been, what you had done, what you had thought or what you're up against even today, they would never even accept you or love you. And I'm telling you, it's a lie from the pit of hell. He accuses you against yourself. He brings condemnation. Listen, the condemnation and conviction are like cousins. The enemy operates in, in condemnation to try to get you tethered or held to your past. The Holy Spirit operates in conviction because he wants to try to set you free from your past and get you moving forward to the purpose and the future that God has for you. The good news is that the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But he's accusing, 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 trying to convince you that you're insignificant, inadequate. And listen, sometimes I've encouraged you before, it's the best thing you can do in that moment is just agree with him. Well, what do you mean, Pastor T? In your own strength, you're not enough. Every one of us does have a past. The Bible's so clear about it. It doesn't, doesn't shy away from it. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't stand before God. I don't minister. I don't stand behind this pulpit in my own strength. It's only because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the empowerment and the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. And so when the enemy comes and tries to condemn you or beat you up, sometimes the best thing to do is to say, you know what, Satan, you're right. In my own strength, that is who I am. And my past did look like that. But praise God, Jesus came and paid the price and set me free and made me whole and washed me clean and now is living in me and empowering me to live a different life and moving forward to the purposes and the future that God has for me, which is a good future filled with hope. Come on, someone ought to say amen. That's some good preaching right there. Number two, he accuses us one to another because God is a God of relationship. God is a God of family. And I mean, it just doesn't, you don't have to look very far to see all the ways and all the things and all the traps, all the things going on in our culture that are attempts of the enemy to try to divide us relationally in your marriage, in your family, churches. I mean, all the things, different political ideas and ideologies and different things, ideas about different things that are going on in our culture. The enemy, you got to see that the enemy, this, that's why the, the, this word is so significant to understand. He's Diablos. He's the accuser and slanderer. He's always looking to divide relationships. And God hates this. Listen, that's a strong word, but that's the word that the Bible uses in Proverbs chapter six, that there are six things that God hates and seven that are abomination to him. And look what one of those things is. God hates a false witness who speaks lies. And catch this, one who sows discord among brethren. And that's why gossip and slander is more than just bad Christian behavior. God hates it because when we're operating in the spirit of gossip and slander, come on, against anyone, against another believer, against an unbeliever, against a politician, against a church member, against a co-worker, when we're operating in the spirit of slander or accusation, it's not just bad Christian behavior. God hates it. God resists it because he realizes we're operating, we are partnering, we are cooperating with the spirit of Diablos with the spirit of Diablos. That's his game. That's his ploy. That's his weapon. And maybe moving forward, we can begin to see when that, when that enemy tries to come, when that Diablos tries to come and just tries to plant that little seed that, that you want to begin to just kind of murmur or just grumble or maybe share something juicy that you heard or maybe something that you even just thought or maybe it's just, I mean, you'll begin to just put the brakes on and say, I am not going to partner or cooperate with the spirit of Diablos. I choose instead to do what the Bible says 
and believe for all the, believe for the good things, to keep my mind set on what is, what is true, what is holy, what is pure, what is lovely. That's what the Bible instructs us to do. To overlook wrongs, to bring a gentle word, to, to, to be a blessing to even those who persecute you, even your enemies. Again, it, it, it's a powerful statement. Slander and accusation, gossip, the spirit of gossip is not just bad Christian behavior. It's partnering with the spirit of Diablos. Three, he accuses us to God. Revelations 12, he accuses us against ourselves. He accuses us one to another to try to destroy and divide relationships because he realizes that we're stronger when we're unified and maybe in spite of our differences. Revelations 12 shows us that he also is accusing you to God. It says in verse, verse 10, Revelations 12, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. In other words, he's up there saying, do you see that person? You sent Jesus to die for him. Look what he's up to. Look what he's gotten involved in. Do you see what you did? I mean, really, God, did you really? I mean, are they really living for you? Take a look at what's going on down here. He's accusing you before God. But here's the good news. Romans 8.34 says, who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, was raised to life. Catch this, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. The devil is accusing, the devil is slandering, and Jesus is interceding. Jesus is sitting right at the right hand of the Father saying, I went and I experienced every temptation that was common to man, yet I stood as blameless and sinless so that I could be counted worthy to pay the price that they could never pay, to make a way that they might have forgiveness and a fresh start, a new life. The devil is accusing, slandering, and Jesus is interceding. And the rest of that scripture, Revelations 12, 10 and 11, shows us who wins the argument. And it says, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down and they, that's you and that's me, triumphed over him, how? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Not our own strength, not our own goodness, not our own virtue, not our own intellect, not our own intelligence. Jesus, Jesus has shed blood, his risen life. That is the victory upon which we stand and it silences the enemy when he comes to accuse or condemn you. Yeah, come on, that's good news. I mean, come on, that is, that's worth celebrating. He's Diablos, the accuser, the slanderer. He's Satanus, Satan. It said the devil, Satan. And the Greek word there is Satanus, and it means adversary or opponent. And what it means is that he is on full-scale alert trying to keep you from walking in the fullness of God's purposes and the fullness of God's blessings for your life. He's an adversary. He's an opponent. But the good news is, again, especially when we dig in and we begin to learn what God's word has to say, not just about our enemy, but about these weapons that we have that are not carnal, but mighty, Mighty, mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. He is no match for you. The third name is Lucifer. And we find this name in Isaiah chapter 14. And if you're not there, turn there. They'll put it up on the screens behind us. And this is the passage. This is the accounting of Lucifer being uh, swept into spiritual pride and being kicked out of heaven. And so let's read it. Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 17. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. Son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. And I, I just want, to, want you to catch this. Watch as we read this. How many times 
This talks about Lucifer trying to elevate himself or ascend in his own strength above God. And just catch the spirit that's operating here. Just watch how many times it says this as we read on. It says, for you, speaking of Lucifer, have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount, the high place of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Can you see what's operating there? This spirit that says, I don't need God. This spirit that says, I, you know, I, 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 I got this. I can take care of this on my, on my own, my own strength. This pride that began to operate. Listen, Adam and Eve were not the original sinners Lucifer was. And the spirit of Lucifer, if the calling card of Diablos is accusation and slander, the calling card, the M.O. of Lucifer is spiritual pride. And read on, look at God's response. He said, I will exalt, I will ascend, I will be promoted, and look, watch what God says. You will be brought down to Sheol. <laughs> the Bible says that if we humble ourselves before the Lord, he'll exalt us in due time, but that he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And we see right now that that spirit could not stand in the presence of God, that prideful, haughty spirit. And he says, you'll be brought down to shield, to the lowest pits. Now watch the, the, the God's answer. Lucifer said, I'll ascend, I'll rise, I'll exalt. He says, you'll be brought down to the lowest of the pit. Those who see will you gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? The original sin was spiritual pride, exalting myself against God. And listen, there's a pride that we all can see that's obvious, whether in our own lives or in the life of a pop culture person or whatever. You know, I mean, someone that is just obviously walking in pride, just drawing attention to themselves, living for themselves, living for the world. And sometimes that's easy to recognize, but what if there are other ways that we can operate in pride that are not so obvious and are more subtle? What, what, what if it's really tied to this spirit of pride when we Go about our day without recognizing or acknowledging God through prayer. I've heard it said before that a day without prayer is a boast against God. Because it's basically saying everything that I have to do today, be a husband, be a wife, be a father, be a friend, be an employer, be an employee, put my hands to this, oversee this, advance this, serve in this capacity. Basically, if, you, if we're not praying, we're basically saying, I'm, I'm good, God. I got this in my own strength. But what if every day... We got up and we said, Lord, to do what you have called me to do, to be who you have called me to be, I need you. I need your strength. In my weakness, you are strong. In my own strength, I am nothing. But when I turn to you, when I look to you, when I depend upon you, when I put my hope in you, when I put my trust in you, when I find my strength in you, there is nothing that is impossible. And I can do all things through God, through Christ, who gives me the strength to do those things today. The original sin was spiritual pride. I, 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 I got this. I can take care of this. Ezekiel 28, we see another side of this story, and it shows us more of who Lucifer was originally created, what he was originally created to function in heaven before he was cast down because of pride. And reading about him, Ezekiel 28, verse 12 through 17, it says, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. 
You were in Eden, the garden of God. And we know this is talking about Lucifer because in Eden there was only four beings. There was God, there was Adam, there was Eve, and there was the serpent. And it says, every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emeralds with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. He was magnificent. Created in splendor. It says he was covered and adorned with all these precious gems. And what do precious gems do? They reflect light. He was intended to reflect the light and the goodness and the majesty of God. And the, tra- the trap of pride caused him to begin to turn that to, him own, to his own self. And it says, your timbrels and your pipes were, were prepared for you on the day that you were created. In other words, there were musical instruments that, that were part of how he was created. And the, many theologians believe that there were three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. And that Lucifer was the worshiping angel. Michael was the warring angel, and Gabriel was the, 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 the messenger angel. And most theologians agree and believe that, that Lucifer was the worship leader of heaven. It says, your timbrels, your pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I established you. You were on your holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By your abundance of trading, you became filled with violence within. You sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mouth of God. I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty, corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground and laid you before kings that they might gaze upon you. The sin that was found in Lucifer, the iniquity that it says was found in him, was that he began to receive the worship that he was created to give to God and pass through to God for himself. maybe it started to feel good. I don't know what it was that began to kind of get into his heart and come into his heart and the position that he was created for to stand before God and just say, holy, holy, holy are you, God, who was and is and who is to come. All the kingdom, the kingdom, the power, the glory belong to you, the dominion forever, the power forever and ever and ever. And he allowed this spiritual pride to begin to come in and begin to cause him to just say, maybe it will feel good if I just kind of begin to take some of that praise for myself. Begin to operate in spiritual pride. Proverbs 16.8 says that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. It was pride that caused Lucifer to fall from the position and purpose in God. And listen, when we understand this, that that was Lucifer's original sin, it helps us to understand and see that many of the sin issues that we deal with in our life have the root issue of pride. Me, myself, and I. What's good for me in this moment? What feels good to me in this moment? What would advance my cause? What would profit me in this moment? The root sin of the root of almost every sin is somehow, some way, pride or spiritual pride. And listen, it's why the same way that God recognizes that when we operate in slander or gossip, He's resisting it because we're cooperating with the spirit of Diablos. The Bible says that God resists pride. James four six, He gives more grace, but He says. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the reason he resists it is because he realizes when we are operating in pride, we are cooperating with the spirit of Lucifer. And that word resist right there is the Greek word antitasso, and it means to set oneself in battle formation against. It's like a military term. And basically, it's God just saying, when you are operating in the spiritual pride, I'm resisting you because I love you too much to allow you to succeed when you're operating in a spiritual pride. What you build, what you achieve, what you accomplish when you're operating in pride will destroy you. The Bible says you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. 
It's the protection of God. It's the grace of God. He says, I'm resisting you until you begin to recognize and understand. And when you begin to recognize it, the Bible's real clear. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be prospered. God wants you to have influence. But he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in his time, his ways, his blessing, in a way that you don't have to forsake your marriage, forsake your soul, forsake your morals, forsake your integrity. He will raise you up when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So the... the, Question is, how do we win this battle? How, how do we come against the spirit of pride or spiritual pride, and how do we win this battle? What's the weapon of our warfare? And the first thing that might come to mind is humility. But I believe that there's actually a weapon of our warfare that positions us in a humble place that allows God to do what his word says, to promote us, elevate us, bless us, put, give us, get, get behind us, and, 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 and support our work and our effort of our hands, and that is worship. That when we worship, it's the ultimate form of saying, God, you are God and I am not. I exalt you. I lift you up. I magnify you. I, I, I want to decrease so that you might increase. I, I, I lift you up. I exalt you above my problems. Come on, when you begin to worship God, the Bible says, come and magnify me. Come and magnify the Lord with me, rather. And, and here's the question. Can God get bigger? Now, he, he is who he is regardless of what we think or say. So that, what that's saying is when we begin to worship God, come on, even in the midst of uncertainty, difficulties, things that are going on around you, when we begin to worship God, it magnifies him. In other words, God begins to get bigger than our problems. And I don't know about you, but I want to serve a big God and a little devil. I want, the, I want God, the God that I serve, to begin to look bigger, to sound bigger, to resound in my spirit, greater than the problems, greater than the uncertainties. The way to do it is through worship. Come and magnify the Lord with me. When we worship God, we remind ourselves that he is God and I am not. Number two, when we worship God, it brings faith for victory. It brings faith for victory all throughout the word of God. The worshipers would march. The worshipers would play. The worshipers would shout. And the walls would come tumbling down. Paul and Silas worshiped in the middle of the night. And the prison doors came open. And they were set free. The worshipers would go out ahead of the battle and prepare and set the atmosphere of faith for God to, to deliver the people of God to a victory in spite of insurmountable odds. And he'll do the same for you today if you will commit to worship and pray. Lord, the, the battles I'm up against, I, I, I'm worshiping you in the midst of the storm. I'm giving you praise and, and I'm thanking you for the good things, the blessings that I have. But, but then I'm also just saying, Lord, even in the challenges, you are God, you are holy, you are sovereign, and you are good. I'm reminding myself, I'm magnifying that God that is faithful and true. He's seen me through some things and he'll see me through what I'm going through today. Number three is that worshiping God secures an atmosphere of peace and joy over your life. And listen, there is a battle that is going on over your peace and over your joy. As a culture, we're the most prosperous that we've ever been. I mean, it really is true. I mean, just think about all the blessings that we have, all the modern conveniences, all the prosperity, all the things that we have. We're the most prosperous that we've ever been, and yet we're the most anxious that we've ever been. The most anxious, the most stressed, the most fearful, and the most depressed. The Bible says, Isaiah 61.3 says, I will give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
that anxiety, that fear, that stress, that depression that leads to despair. The prescription of God for that condition is praise. And he says, I'll give you a garment of praise. And here's what you got to know about a garment. You got to choose to put it on. Anytime the Bible talks about something about a garment, it also says to be clothed in humility. You got to make a decision. Today, the way I'm going to live, the way I'm going to go about my day is I'm going to put this on. I choose to put it on. There's a lot of other garments I could be wearing. And listen, I mean, every, every day you get up, we realize this in the natural. We get up and we select what we're going to wear for that day. And here's what I've learned in 15 years of marriage, that women and men go about this process completely differently. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. Like a woman will stand back and look at her closet and think about these things. You know, what's the weather like? Who am I going to see? Where am I going? What am I up to? Is there a cold front moving in? Where am I going to be this afternoon? What color did I wear yesterday? What shoes are appropriate? Do I want to wear boots, open toe, closed toe? And will that correspond with the outfit that I'm about to select? Women are complicated about that stuff, man. For a guy, he goes to, to his closet and he's like, did I wear it yesterday? If not, it's fair game, you know? Is it clean? And sometimes that doesn't even matter, right? You know? My wife always catches me. She's like, did you just smell that? I'm like, yeah, I'm just seeing if I could wear it today, you know? We go about those things completely differently, but here's the thing is we understand every day we choose what we're going to put on based on what we're going to be up against. All those things, what, whether you have an appointment, whether you have a meeting, what's the weather like? And every day, I'm just telling you, the same must be true about us as believers. If we're going to stand strong and stand firm and stand fast, we got to choose to put on the garment of praise. You know, every now and then we will have a, every couple years or so, we clean out our closets and we either have a garage sale, or if we're really busy, we'll just give it away to another organization. We'll take it to Goodwill or whatever and just trust them to make good use of it. And by the way, in the coming weeks, you're going to start to hear from me about some of the things that the Lord really began speaking to me with clarity as I was on sabbatical. And one of those things is that God is really just stirring faith in our eldership for how in 2021, we believe that God is really calling us to bring strategic focus, to increase the activity of our church as it regards making a difference in our community by being a blessing to the poor, the hungry, and the needy. And I see, I have a vision in my heart, in my spirit, in my mind of a place that we'll go and we'll purchase and we'll acquire and we'll renovate it, we'll make it excellent, and we will dedicate it to be a house of hope and a house of healing for our community. And whenever people come, there will be clothing, there will be food, there will be counseling, there will be encouragement. We will, we will provide job training. We'll provide, we'll help them build a resume. We'll help them get a wardrobe to go and get the job interview that will help to propel them out of the season of addiction or despair or bondage into a new life of prosperity. As all the while as we preach that Jesus is the reason that we're doing this for you, no other reason. And so in the coming weeks, you'll begin to hear more about that vision and about some of the other ways that God's calling us to come alongside some of our other missionaries and really just believe that God's gonna increase our effectiveness and our impact. And so maybe next, maybe as early as next year, whenever God is able to provide the resources and the opportunity, the place, and just bring confirmation to our leadership team, there might be a time next year or the year after where you'll be able to bring those clothes to that place and be able to come and volunteer your time there to sort it and prep it and maybe even be part of the team that welcomes the precious people to come and receive and be blessed in Jesus' name. But in the meantime, what we do is we either have a garage sale or we take it to Goodwill. And my wife, Amity, she's really good at this. I mean, she can just like sort and see and she's, she can just quickly go in and she's just like a whirlwind of organization. 
and she has no problem throwing away the old t-shirts or the old stuff, you know, or whatever. And, and I'm a little bit different. I, I look, I'm like, baby, I mean, she wants me to just go away whenever she's doing this because I stand there and I'm saying, you're gonna throw that one away? I'm like, damn, that's the t-shirt I was wearing when we won the city softball championship in 1998. You can't throw that away. And she's like, it's got holes and stains and grass stain here and this and that. And I'm like, it's, it's special to me, you know? And so here's what I found that I have to do is I have to circle back when she's not watching and I have to get into the bag or the box and pull out my 1998 city championship softball t-shirt, you know? And I'll do that. And then a few weeks later, inevitably, she'll see me wearing that shirt that she thought we had given away or thrown away. And she'll say, are you wearing that? And guys, you know the answer. It's like, well, I am, but I have a feeling I'm not going to be for much longer, you know? <laughs> Here's the thing, is it possible that there are some garments that you continue to wear that are outdated and ill-fitting for you now? Is it possible that God's looking down and he's saying, really, are you gonna wear that? Really, are you still, you still wearing that? That garment of insignificance, that garment of shame, that gar garment of condemnation, you still wearing that? I thought that I had given you a new garment. I thought we had decided to give that one away or to put it away or to burn it forever. Why are you still wearing that? Come on, every day you have a choice. What garment am I going to wear? Would you stand to your feet this morning? I believe that the Lord wants to reveal some garments that you're maybe wearing that are no longer in style or now ill-fitting of you, unbecoming of you. But the enemy keeps you coming back to that. Maybe because it's comfortable, it's familiar, That's no longer God's best for you. I don't know what those things are. I mean, just a few things come to my spirit, just insignificance, shame, guilt, condemnation, fear, anxiety, worry, insecurity. And, and I, I mean, I just believe God is just speaking to you today. He's saying, are, are you gonna wear that? Really, are you still wearing that? And today's the day, I believe, for the, what, what the Lord shows you. And right now, would you just begin to ask God, to say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What, what garment is in my closet that I continue to go back to that is no longer in style or, it's no, or now it's ill-fitting that you desire to replace with the garment of praise? And I, I just believe right now he's showing you. He'll show you. He, some, sometimes he'll just speak a word. Sometimes he'll take you back to a thought or a memory or a place or a mindset that the enemy uses to try to get you trapped or held back or held down from the good future and the purpose that God has for you. And right now, as he's speaking to you, because listen, God, as much as I care for you, as your pastor about this issue, God cares even more. He's created you to live free of that stuff. He sent Jesus to pay the price that you could deal with it once and for all. And so Lord, I thank you, whatever garment that you're revealing to every man, every woman, every young person here, whatever it is for you, I mean, really ask him, Lord, what, what garments do I need to take off and put away and never go back to them ever again? They're out of style, they're ill-fitting. Today, I'm putting on a garment of praise. Lord, thank you, you're speaking to, the, to your precious people. And Lord, right now, because of the love of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that today would be the day that that garment would be taken off and thrown away once and for all in Jesus' mighty name. And in its place, Lord, I thank you that there's a robe of righteousness according to your word. I thank you that there's a garment of praise, God, and it fits well, and it's becoming, and it, and it, it's, it brings confidence, and it brings security, and it brings hope, and it brings strength for the, for the future that we have in you. And so we choose today to put it on in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And right there where you are, just would you just thank the Lord? Just say thank you, Lord. Thank you for 
showing me. Anytime God reveals something to you, it's because he wants to heal something in you. And so just tell him, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing me, God, that I still deal with that insecure, insecurity, insignificance, that addiction, that lust, that bondage, whatever it is. And today I choose to take that thing off and put on a new garment, a new garment, a garment of praise. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And just one more moment, just to linger there in that moment and just allow the Lord to just speak to people and strengthen people and set us free. Man, he's so good. He, he has a new garment, a robe of righteousness, a royal robe. It's royal. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't, you don't get your life together and then come to God. You come to God and he helps you to begin to put the pieces of your life together. You don't have to wait to put it on. You don't have to wait. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy where he's trying to say, well, that's may, maybe good for you, for the person to your left or the person to your right, but what about you? I'm telling you right now, don't listen to that lie. Right now, right now, because of the blood of Jesus, you could never earn it, never deserve it. There's a robe of righteousness and a garment of praise that's waiting for you. Lord, we thank you for the grace and the strength to put it on and to stand firm. That place of victory and authority in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. I pray, Lord, that this would go beyond just Sunday at 1230 at Rev City Church tomorrow morning when people get up, God, I pray that you would remind them. Remind them, Lord. Even, even, even in the natural, maybe as you go to pick out your shoes or get out your socks or pick out your shirt or get out your sweater or whatever, and you might check the weather and kind of consider your schedule, I pray that it would be an earthly reminder of a spiritual truth and you would choose right there as you're picking out your clothes and say, Lord, today I also choose to put on a garment of praise. I also choose to be clothed in humility that allows you to come and strongly support everything that I'm gonna do today because I can't do it in my own strength. Thank you, Lord. God, I just thank you for what's gonna start to happen, what's gonna start to materialize and transpire in people's lives. Oh, Lord, thank you for, the, for the, the, the heaviness of those other garments, those heavy garments. Oh my gosh, I mean, come on, have you ever accidentally worn a, a sweater on a day where it turned out to be 80, 90 degrees in Texas? We did it all the time. We were so desperate to get out our sweaters. We would wear a sweater and by the end of the day, it'd be 92 degrees and you'd just be sweaty and everything. Today, I believe the Lord's just showing you, identifying things that maybe you've been wearing that have felt heavy and have just brought heat into your life, just that uncomfortability. And today, God's helping you. He's gracing you to take it off. He knows exactly what you need to wear and when you need to wear it. Look to him, trust him, listen to him, obey. Watch what he does in your life. I mean, I, I just... I can't move on from this for one more moment. There's freedom that's coming today to people who have dealt with insecurity. There's freedom today for people who have dealt with addiction. There's freedom for bondages today. In Jesus' mighty name, Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And before we worship, one last song. We wanna do something we do every week. It's really the most important thing we do and it's give you an opportunity. If you're here in this room or maybe you're joining us online to give your life to Jesus Christ to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive his forgiveness. Again, that you can never earn, never deserve, but it's a free gift of God. I mean, he loves you so much, he sent his son to die on the cross that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Maybe you once knew God or, and served God. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe life's happened. Maybe you've drifted away from depending on God and seeking God and trusting God and living for God. And if that's you today, we believe you are here in this place or tuning in online by no accident. It is because of the heart of a good father who was calling you back home into a relationship with him. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and been forgiven and washed clean, made whole. And if that's you anywhere or anywhere in between right now, What's most important is what's happening in your heart. 
But what we want to ask you to do is just begin to respond in faith and begin to just say, I want to live this out by the raising of your hand right, right now. If that's you, you want to rededicate your life to Jesus. You want to be forgiven and made whole and made clean. Just lift your hand towards heaven and say, that's me, Father. You see me. Lord, thank you for these precious people responding to you. Lord, thank you that, that these, these hands being lifted represent a heart that's turning, God, and responding to just the amazingness of your love, Lord, your forgiveness, God. Lord, for those who are online, Lord, thank you for those who might be responding. Listen, even if you're online, maybe you're, you're completely by yourself in your living room or your be bedroom or in your car or whatever, I still think it's important for you to raise your hand in faith. Even though no one's seen this, you're not doing this for a pastor, you're not doing this for church people, you're doing this before God. This is a commitment that you're making before God. And so now, well, here's what we're gonna do. If you raised your hand, and there are many people who did, you can lower your hand, and we're gonna pray this prayer with you today. And we do this, every week we do this, and we do it by design. And for the first reason we do it, and there were many hands that went up this morning, and in the nine o'clock service, many people gave their lives to Jesus. And we pray this together in unity as a church family because it's a sign of support. We wanna quickly let these young men and women know there's a, there is a church family that wants to come alongside you and encourage you and strengthen you forward in your new or fresh faith in Jesus Christ. And two, we do it together as a church family because even as we're growing in our faith, it reminds us as we pray this prayer that we never graduate from grace. So come on, let's pray this together. And I want you to pray it with boldness. I want you to pray it with passion. I want you to pray it loud so that the people of God who raise their hands today just feel your support this morning and so that it just serves as an anchor for your life. Come on, pray it. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could not pay to make a way I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you that life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, come on, say it out loud. I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. And come on, would you put your hands together and rejoice with all of heaven for the precious people who gave their life to Jesus today. Listen, those of you who responded, those of you who responded, um, we want to meet you. We have a gift, a bag of resources. It includes a Bible, just like this Fresh Start Bible that I preach from. We want to put it in your hands just to encourage you. If you're joining us online and you responded to Jesus today, we want to hear from you. We would love to send you the same resources, this same Bible. All you have to do is just send us an email and you can just email us and tell us you rededicated your life to Jesus. Email it to newlife at revcity.com. Hey, isn't the Lord good? Isn't the Lord good? Aren't you grateful? I hope this series, this Realm series has been a blessing to you. You, there's a battle that's being waged, but in Jesus, you have the victory. Come on, just say, I am victorious in Jesus. I am victorious in Him. Amen. Come on, who believes it today? Amen. And hey, let's worship one more time. Let's worship the Lord.